This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 379, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, June 1st. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chabin, and this is episode 379. It's our Comic Reviews episode for the releases from the week of Wednesday, June the 1st. Uh, I actually got a chance to read a lot of comics that came out uh, recently, uh, mainly because I was uh, on doing a road trip to Boston this past week, so I had a chance to read a lot of the comics that came out on June the 1st. Um, that being said, I don't have a lot of time to actually record this episode, so even though I had a chance to read a ton of books, I think it like 18 books, uh, it's going to be a pretty fast-paced episode in order to get through them all. Um, so without further ado, let's jump right on in. First, we have X-Force. And by X-Force, obviously, I mean A-Force. Oof. Uh, apparently, I'm more exhausted than I realized from my trip. Uh, so A-Force number uh, six. This is written by Kelly Thompson. Our work by Ben Caldwell. Uh, inks and finishes by Scott Hanna. Um, I actually really dug this uh, continuation of the story that started in the last issue. Um... We got, you know, it's just a really enjoyable and eclectic mix of characters uh, and the way that they're being written here. Definitely an interesting ending of the issue. Um, it felt fast-paced, but at the same point, uh, at the same time, it managed to weave in a lot of good characterization, especially because these are characters who don't always have a lot of long-standing relationships. So it's kind of interesting to see how they're being written together and how they're interacting with each other. Uh, I'm going to give this issue a solid uh, seven out of ten. Uh, next up is All New, All Different Avengers. This is issue number 10. Uh, so now that Standoff and all that craziness has passed, uh, we're able to kind of move forward into the stars uh, with the All New, All Different Avengers. This is written by Mark Wade, our work by Mahmoud Azrar, as we have the Avengers going into space, ostensibly to uh, try and find uh, Nova's uh, dad. Uh, obviously, things don't quite go according to plan, and they end up... Um, you know, sidetracked and, and having a whole different adventure. And at the same time, back on Earth, we have the new Wasp meeting the old Wasp, and hopefully we'll get to see more there. Um, really entertaining issue. like the uh, the last page reveal of Annihilus. Um, this is, it, it remains a fun, fast-paced adventure book with a lot of elements going on, and I think uh, we, need, we need more books like this. So I gave it an 8 out of 10. Next up, Only Wolverine number 9. This book has been such a revelation to me just because it's been so much so much better than I might have expected originally. And that's not to say anything about the uh, Laura Kinney character, more that I just ha- haven't had a huge interaction with the character and haven't really been a huge fan. But uh, seeing her as Wolverine, I've actually really dug. Uh, this issue is ostensibly called Road to Civil War II, although that's not really readily apparent to me. Most of the issue is... Um, uh, I almost called her X-23 for a second. Uh, the all-new Wolverine trying to fight against Fin Fang Foom from within. Um, some great artwork in this issue. Uh, it's just it's a lot of fun. It looks great. It's by Marcio or Marcio Takara on art with Tom Taylor writing it. Tom Taylor has uh, really mastered how to write a, a breezy book. It's action, but has some great characterization as well. Um, Laura gets some great characterization, as does her... Uh, her younger clone. Uh, Gabby is awesome with a jetpack. Uh, seeing, you know, the younger Wolverine trying to save the old Wolverine, um, the way that they kind of decide to deal with the Fin Fang Foom problem. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. I'm interested to see where they're going to go with this going forward. 
to see you know this older version of Logan and Laura interacting with each other, um, especially based on the last line of dialogue. I'm interested to see how this will work. Um, but really, this is a very solid, solid issue. I'm going to give it a, a nice big 8 out of 10. Uh, it continues to be just a very entertaining read month in and month out. Uh, next up is Amazing Spider-Man 13. This is a book that has not been a very consistent book in and out. Um, it's got artwork by Giuseppe Camincoli, and Dan Slott is writing it. I do like Camincoli's art a fair bit, so my issue with here is not on the art, although I do think that um, the way that Spider-Man looks is at times awkward, because they're trying to show that it's, I guess, more of an armor now, but they're still trying to kind of make him look like classic Spidey, and it doesn't quite work, and it just ends up coming off as a little awkward. I also don't like how they keep, you know, obviously the Iron Man armor is a little slender right now. Uh, it almost looks too slender in the way Kevin Coley uh, draws it. You know, I, I don't think that uh, Iron Man and Spider-Man should look like they have the same body type when he's wearing armor, but that is what it is. And they keep having the face plate off, and I, I don't like that. I... I don't see the need for it. I see for the need for it in the comic, sorry, not in the comics, in the movies, because you have an actual actor that you're paying. Um, but here, it doesn't really make a lot of sense for him to constantly be taking off the faceplate to show that he's uh, Tony Stark. Um, I did like parts of this issue a lot. I liked the camaraderie between Mary Jane, Betty, and Harry. Um, although it's a little strange, because I don't remember Betty ever being a huge fan or that much friends with the other two. Um... Well, I guess because her thing was more with Flash, and I just don't know if I really see the cross-section here, but I did like that we get to see the supporting cast on their own, and they are both, all three of them are smart enough to figure out exactly who Regent is, and I thought that was a very self-aware moment that I really enjoyed. The fight between Peter Parker and Tony Stark didn't really work for me. It just, it kept going on and on, and it felt like very much like, why is he such a tool? Why are they both such tools? Um... I just didn't really care. And I don't really care for Regent as a character either. It didn't work for me the first time in, in uh, Renew Your Vows, and it works for me less here. Uh, I found this to be, it had some bright spots, for the, but generally I felt it was a little mediocre. So I'm going to give it a 5.5 out of 10. The art is good, very capable, very enjoyable. The story's just not quite cutting it enough. Uh, next up is Batman Rebirth, the first of the Rebirth books that came out this week. Um, I found this to be very forgettable. I, I, I just don't know. I don't know. I, I expected a little bit more from this. Uh, I, I think that's my problem with it is that it feels like it doesn't know what it wants to be. So it's written by Scott Snyder and Tom King, artwork by Mikhail Yanin. So it looks great, and it actually doesn't have a bad idea for a story. But as a rebirth book, and that's part of what I'm basing this on, if you're going to call it a rebirth, I feel like it should be a, a really good jumping on point. Sadly, it's not a good jumping on point. It feels like it jumps into the middle, and I feel like if you hadn't been reading the previous issues, if you didn't know who Duke was, I feel like you're going to be lost, uh, which I don't think is kind of the point of this. So part of the issue feels like it's a great kind of done in one. You're dealing with Calendar Man, um, and I think it was a really cool way of using the Calendar Man. But then you also have you know certain elements of this tied into what happened before, and I don't think that part's work. That being said, I think Michael Yannan is an amazing artist and he really sells the physicality of the character, has a great sense of, uh, of design. Um, although the whole, you know, Bruce kind of being on the helipad it felt more like a Dick Grayson thing than a Bruce thing. Otherwise, maybe I'm being too hard on this book, to be honest. Maybe I, I want it to be 
I want it to be something, and I'm not even sure what it is, and I'm not really grading it on the merits of what it is. So uh, maybe I'm wrong. Um, you know, maybe it is better than I remembered it being. I'm just kind of flipping through it now and trying to think like. I don't know if it does everything in terms of what it needs to do in terms of being a new reader friendly, but it does set the stage and clear things up so that it'll have an easy way of moving forward. So I am being too hard on this book. Um, I don't think the story was the best, but I think the artwork was great. So I'll give it a 7 out of 10. Uh, next up is, is the biggest big Marvel release, Civil War Two, number one. Um, I actually like this a lot more than I necessarily thought I was going to. Um, although it still feels like the uh, free comic book day uh, um, free comic book day issue is oddly placed uh, in terms of how it was positioned because it kind of takes place after this but also during it. Um, so here we get to see more about Ulysses after the Zero issue. This is written by Brian Michael Bendis, artwork by David Marquez. Um, you get to see the idea that we have, because of Ulysses, the you know assorted heroes are able to stop a major threat, and everyone's kind of like, well, how do we even know? How do we know what to do? And how do we know what to how to stop it? Tony brings everyone together for a party, which is very much Shades of Age of Ultron. Um, everyone meets Ulysses, and then they're like, "Well, hold on, this is a new guy. We don't know who it is. We can't, you know, get into his mind. We can't, you know, do anything to check on his the veracity of his visions. We shouldn't be just taking his word for it." Uh, Tony's very much against it, and um, you know, he kind of ends up getting ignored, ignored later, and then because of it, uh, Rhodes dies. That's the big spoiler, I guess. War Machine passes away. Um, so that he's gone, and you know, they're led to assume that maybe uh, She-Hulk's going to die, although I doubt that's actually going to happen, but I could be wrong. So in the wake of this, we're definitely setting up a bit of a schism. I don't know if it's really a civil war, per se, yet. It just feels more like an ideological shift at the moment, which, again, feels much more like the schism that the X-Men had as opposed to being needing to be civil war. I feel like if there hadn't been a civil war movie, they might have just called it something more like schism. Uh, unfortunately, that ended up not being the case. I found this a much more enthralling read than I may have expected. Uh, it's quieter. It's not as, as full of a bombast as you might expect from a, the opening salvo of an event, but I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I did think it was a solid read. Next up is Contest of Champions, number 9. This is written by Al Ewing, artwork by uh, Rolo Marcellus, Paco Medina with Juan Velasco. Uh, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was something different. It felt like it wasn't just the story we were getting the first, uh, you know, eight issues or so. We were going in a new direction. I like that we get to see in a world where Civil War went in a different different um, direction. So we get to see that world's version of the Thunderbolts, which has Steve Rogers, uh, Bill Foster, Ms. Woman, Punisher, and Spider-Man on it. It's like, it's very interesting. Uh, I am digging the, the, the direction. feels different. Uh, but enjoyable. So I'm going to give it a, a 7 out of 10. I think it was, uh, again, better than I expected and more entertaining. Uh, next up is going to be uh, Green Arrow Rebirth, uh, which is um, an interesting read, to say the least. With the New 52, I haven't really been following Green Arrow himself or his comics, so I know that the character definitely felt more de-aged, more so than some of the others. Uh, but I hadn't really read much of his adventures, so jumping into a rebirth for him definitely felt like more of an eye-opening for me, and it made me feel like... Well, it's not that it made me feel. I did feel like I was the new reader. I was the new reader jumping on to see what it was like. Uh, I was definitely enjoying most of it. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the direction they went with Black Canary once they kind of made her into that 
you know, the, the singer. That just wasn't really, that wasn't my vibe. That something wasn't something I was really all that interested in. Uh, so that I didn't care much for. But I liked how they kind of brought Green Arrow and Black Canary together in this reality in a way that they haven't been thus far, uh, which definitely echoes their prior relationships in the past. I like that they gave Ollie the, the goatee. Uh, I'm not sure if he's had that for a while here, if that's something new. Again, I am the new reader, so I don't really know what's going on. But uh, I thought it was a relatively swift and well-paced book uh, to see how these characters kind of come together and, and really you know, maybe start the path towards being together. So I definitely uh, I actually enjoyed this more than I maybe expected to. Uh, uh, not, not that I was necessarily expecting like very little from it, but I just I think this is one of the big question marks for me: is what is a Green Arrow book even look like these days? Because I really couldn't have told you uh, prior to picking up this issue. Uh, but uh, I dug it. It was and the reveal of Black Canary kind of meeting Green Arrow was interesting as well. This issue was written by Benjamin Percy, our work by Otto Schmidt. Uh, next up, and I gave that, a, I guess, a, a 7 out of 10. A lot of 7s this week. I think 7 is the new 8. Uh, next up is Green Lantern's Rebirth. Mm, this uh, I didn't think that this really did a good job from a, a new reader perspective. It, it felt like it kind of jumped in, and maybe that's what it needed to do. It's written by Jeff Johns and Sam Humphreys, artwork by uh, Ethan Van Skyver and Ed Bennis. Um, I like the artwork for the most part, although at times that I was a little muddied in certain pages, uh, I didn't think Simon Baz's, you know, kind of the way he looked was necessarily all that consistent, uh, kind of forcing... Simon Baz and uh, Jessica together um, to kind of learn from each other was kind of interesting, but I, I think from a new reader perspective, I think it might have been a little daunting. Um, that being said, I'm not a new reader for this one. I have been following up with the Green Lanterns, and I think that this kind of works. It definitely is frustrating because we had, you know, Hal as the Renegade, which, how does that even work for continuity now? Because, you know, I, we were led to assume that kind of happened after uh, the Dark Side War, and that the Dark Side War, I guess, like, everything that happened in Green Lantern in the last while has to have happened right after Dark Side War, and then leads us into this, I guess. Like, it just feels like sometimes if you think about the continuity, it just gives you headaches, and I guess you just shouldn't think about it because it doesn't make much sense. Um, I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. I like the art. I thought the story was a little... A little on the slow side, and it wasn't that engaging, but um, hopefully we'll, we'll get something better down the pike. Uh, and I did love the artwork by Ethan Van Skyver. He doesn't do enough art these days, as far as I'm concerned, and it's always nice seeing his pencils. Uh, next up is Iron Man number 10, or should I say Invincible Iron Man number 10. Um, let's see, it's written by Mike... Sorry. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis. Artwork by Mike Diodato Jr., or as he's credited here, just Mike Diodato now. Uh, I'm not a big fan of his of Diodato's take here, though. I I don't really like his Tony. I don't know what he's doing with the, you know, the, the face that he's wearing here, but it didn't quite work for me either. Um, some of the action was a little ill-defined. I, I just don't know what this book is. And uh, I did like that last page, though, although Miles Morales looks way too beefed up here. But not to actually, you know, now that I think about it, Nova looks, you know, extra jacked. He doesn't look like a little kid. Uh, Miles looks, you know, pretty like regular Spider-Man, but drawn as ultimate. Uh, everyone else kind of looks about the right height and shapes and sizes, but just them in particular just felt a little bit out of whack. Uh, I don't know. I just... This book isn't quite working, and I don't know what it is about it that isn't working. And part of it's the art, and I'm most shocked by that because I love Diodato Jr. Uh, but his, his, his work just doesn't feel like it has the same sheen right now, and I don't really know 
what happened there, how that, like, you know, why this is happening at this point. Uh, next up, after Invincible Iron Man, we have Moon Knight, which I actually thought this was fantastic. Um, it was just just enough kind of creepy and weird and messed up. It's uh, written by Jeff Lemire, artwork by Greg Smallwood, who just does a fantastic job in the art. Um, the story is trippy, and uh, the characters definitely have to you know push themselves and go through. And there's a, a sad fate for one of the characters. And I I thought this was absolutely fantastic, to be honest. I thought this was riveting, very interesting and entertaining. I didn't know what was going to happen next. I'm going to give it an eight and a half out of ten. Thus far, I would say it's one of my favorite reads of the week. Uh, next up is Old Man Logan. Speaking of books I really like this week, um, really liking Old Man Logan. Um, the art has just been incredible. Uh, this is the board, the conclusion of Border Town by Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino. Uh, Sorrentino's art is what really sells it, but the scripting is actually quite strong as well. Uh, seeing what Logan will do uh, to protect those he loves and those he, he regards as family. Um, the decisions he makes, how, how he feels about everything, and the, the emotions he has, um, it's really, really good. I mean, this was just fantastic. I'm going to also give this an 8.5 out of 10. I don't think there's been a crappy issue of this book yet, um, for the, especially art-wise. Art-wise, this book has just been absolutely nuts. It's been such amazing artwork throughout. Uh, next up is Punisher number 2. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the art. Steve Dillon just isn't for me. I know for some people he's like the Punisher artist because of his work on um, Welcome Back, Frank. It's just not for me. Becky Cloonan is killing it, though. I mean, it's a deeply disturbing issue. Uh, violent things happen. Um, the you know villain at the end and the way he's going to use his daughter with a, a bomb vest, like it's absolutely messed up, but it, it feels very appropriate for Punisher's world and characters the Punisher would go up against. The art... I'm not a big fan of it. It does the job, but it's. it's I don't think it's that that good. I'm going to give the issue on a whole six out of ten. But I did find that the script was much much better than that. It's just kind of being drawn, uh, brought down by the artwork, which I didn't think was all that good. Uh, next up is Spider-Man 2099 number 11, as we get to explore more of the future, uh, which unfortunately is. It's not my favorite part of this book. This book, what I like most is seeing how Miguel kind of traverses his current continuity. Having him go back to the future, it just even make as a reader makes me more confused about what exactly is happening and who's what and what's you know who's doing what, as opposed to I think how I'm supposed to feel about this book. Uh, I like the artwork by Will Slinney. I do love Peter David, but I just I'm not as invested in the storyline. I like the stuff happening in the current. Um, timeline as opposed to the you know weird alternate future timelines because we've had a couple of them now or it just i don't know it just didn't quite work so i'm going to give it a six out of ten next up is spider woman number eight which is very entertaining um not that it's a shock because it isn't uh but it's great although i guess technically it comes after spider woman omega so i should talk about that first but i won't uh spider woman number eight is fantastic the art is just breathtaking by javier rodriguez dennis hopeless has such a good um handle on jessica as a character who she is now how she um you know thinks about things um I loved the artistic juxtaposition of Roger kind of walking through the mayhem that Jessica's in as he's holding the baby, although the baby looks a little little too old, but I'm okay with it. Um, kind of seeing the interactions there and what Jessica goes through and her fight with Tiger Shark of all characters. Um, just really love all of this. 
Uh, I don't. I think I would even give this a nine out of ten. So this would actually just barely eke out Old Man Logan and Moon Knight. But it's just such a great read. I, I don't think you can read this book and not be entertained. And if you are, if you do read it and aren't entertained, what the hell's wrong with you? Uh, next up is Spider Woman Omega, or Women Omega, I should say. Uh, it's written by the dream team of D- Dennis Hopeless, Jason Latour, and Robbie Thompson, or at least they do the story. Dennis Hopeless writes the actual issue with Nico Leon on art. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a, a fun, a fun romp and a good way to end the romp. And I felt the different characters definitely. Um, there was a reason for them all to have gone through the story, and they all have, an, you know, uh, a certain appreciation for different things in each other and of themselves more so than they may have previously. Uh, so I really dug it. I'm going to give it a, a, a solid eight out of ten. Uh, next up is Superman Rebirth, which again feels like one of these books where who's it for exactly, and what is it doing? Um, I mean, in theory, I'm excited for where we're going to see the pre-Flashpoint Superman go, but in terms of like a rebirth book, this is a little confusing, but at the same time also clarifying, because we have Lana Lang, uh, we have her thinking that, you know, wanting to take Superman from the New 52 uh, reality's Ash's home to bury him. Uh, he gets, she gets almost stopped by pre-Flashpoint Superman, who kind of explains about his world, where he's from, how things are different. We get to see a lot of flashbacks to his interactions on his Earth. Um, and, you know, it it kind of sets up Superman to be Superman, but then when you read the new issue of Action Comics, um, which definitely goes in a different direction it doesn't feel like it's a it's a natural uh jumping off point from here because here it almost feels like um kal-el has made the decision that you know the missing tomorrow's missing a superman and there's a smile here like maybe he's going to be that superman but then when we get to action comics it definitely feels like he's not in that direction and he only makes a decision uh prompted by uh, luther which is a little bit of advanced spoilers for a book that came out the day I record this on June 8th. Uh, this issue is written by Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Gleason, with Doug Monk as a story to, as a sorry a penciler. Uh, I did think the artwork was gorgeous, um, and I liked the story, but I thought it was at times confusing and didn't really make. I don't know what it was trying to do. Like it was setting something up, but at the same point, Action Comics doesn't feel like it actually picks up from it naturally so i think in and of itself this book is actually quite entertaining but then when you compare it to the overall superman narrative i think it falls apart a little i'm gonna give it an eight though because i'm a charitable kind of guy and last but not least is superman the coming of the superman number five it's bombastic it's ridiculous it's written by neil adams and our and the artworks by neil adams as well and goddamn it it's enjoyable it's a throwback it feels like from a, a totally bygone era and it succeeds because it's not trying to be a current superman story it's trying to be its own kind of elseworlds uh classic bronze age superman and it works uh i'm going to give it a, a seven out of ten it's not going to work for everyone your mileage may vary based on your appreciation of current neil adams but i enjoyed it um, I didn't get a chance to read everything, so some of the books I didn't get a chance to read include uh, Uncle Scrooge, Deadpool, TMNT, Bebop, and Rocksteady Destroy Everything, Teen Titans Go, Last Gang in Town, uh, Dr. Fate, DC Comics Bombshells, Bloodlines Number 3, and Batman Beyond Number 13. Uh, if we look at this coming week, or as I say, this uh, this day, uh, June 8th, some of the upcoming releases include Action Comics that I've already mentioned, uh, Aquaman Rebirth number 1, the Batman Shadow of the Bat Shade Paperback Volume 1, which is reprinting from books from the 90s. We have Detective Comics 934, uh, Flash Rebirth number 1, which I've heard good things about but haven't read yet, Green Lantern Corps Edge of Oblivion number 6, uh, Legends of Tomorrow number 4, 
uh, Red Hood and Arsenal number 13. Uh, let's see, we've got Wacky Raceland number one, Wonder Woman Rebirth number one. Uh, from IDW, we've got Mickey Mouse number 13, and as well as the second issue of the Bebop and Rocksteady Destroy Everything miniseries. I think it's a miniseries. Uh, and then if we uh, turn our, our eyes over to Marvel, we have the new issues of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all new X Men, which is part of the Apocalypse War. Uh, we've we've got um, Civil War Two, Amazing Spider-Man number one, Civil War Two, Gods of War number one. Excited for both of those. Uh, I've actually recently had uh, conversations with both Dan Abnett, who writes the Gods of War book, as well as uh, Christos Gage, who writes Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, new issue of Daredevil, Darth Vader. Um, let's see what else. Oh, one thing I didn't mention that came out last week was the exercised issue of Deadpool. Just have not had a chance to parse through that because it's massive. Uh, new issue of Gardens of the Galaxy, Howard the Duck, uh, Incredible Hulk, Epic Collection, Man or Monster, uh, Hercules trade paperback called Still Going Strong, which is the unfortunately recently concluded book by, by, about Hercules by Dan Abnett, although now we have the Civil War II book, which comes after it, um, and will follow up on certain threads. Infinity Watch trade paperback, New Avengers number 12, uh, which is part of Civil War II, new show Thunderbolts, as well as Venom Space Knight and Vision, which I'm always looking forward to. So that is everything that is coming out, or at least the highlights of what's coming out on June 8th. Uh, you can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Like the sh- show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also listen to us on Stitcher. Um, there was a, a little bit of... Um, um, I'll just be honest. Uh, my phone rang earlier, and unfortunately, I was un- unable to kind of catch it before I picked up on the audio, and I'm not going to have a chance to edit it out. So I do apologize for that. Um, that's not usually something I like to include in episodes. Uh, our next episode is going to be a good one. I hope you're really going to enjoy it. It's with Paolo Rivera. Uh, that's coming out in just two days on June 10th. Uh, June 10th, I'm actually uh, going to be on my way to Cincinnati uh, to see a Cincinnati Reds game as they face off against the Oakland Athletics because it's summer and I love baseball. Uh, upcoming episodes will include, after that one, episode 382 with Zeb Wells coming out on June 17th, a conversation with Tony Bedard on June 24th, which is episode 384, and then episode 386 coming out on July 1st with a conversation with John Semper Jr., which was a fantastic conversation. He was the main story editor of the Spider-Man animated the series in the 90s. I had a lot of fun talking to him just uh, in the process of editing that one so that it can come out by July 1st. Uh, after that, who knows? I think we might have an episode in the summer about Ghostbusters, Star Trek Beyond, Suicide Squad. I think we're going to have another conversation with Ron and Friends, hopefully, before too long. So there's a lot of good stuff coming down the pike. So thank you for uh, downloading this episode. This has been episode 379, and uh, we will catch you next time. This is Adam Chapman signing off. Bye-bye.